0: Hello, hello everybody. Hello to you on Zoom. It's nice to see you. Hello to you on Facebook and to those on YouTube too. It's great to have a crowd and it's nice to see some lovely friendly faces in front of me. So we've heard, haven't we, this evening what we're going to look at again this week. Because um, we are looking at slowing down through our Sunday evenings through this little season and how we can help ourselves with that. And this is actually our second week. So if you're on catch up, it's okay. You can go to YouTube and catch up for week one. But uh, uh, we're on our second week and we're looking at living without limits. and, and how we can help ourselves through that. So, but hang on, so some of us through lockdown since March time, actually it has been a slow period depending on, on your work and, and maybe whether you've been shielding or tucking yourselves away, but actually for others it has been an incredibly busy season. Um, but we want to look at how we can use our time well how we can actually spend our days communing with God, not just giving a snippet here or a snippet there of our time, but being with him. And actually during our sabbatical that Stephen and I were able to have last summer, we had three months back last year, we were able to invest some of um, Some of our time and more of our days with being with God and not just doing, not being busy as we can all do so easily, can't we? Um, so you know how do we live this way as disciples of Jesus in a relentlessly busy 21st century there's constantly things firing at us isn't there and if there isn't we can open our phone and it's all there in our hand immediately it's constant it's all the time but we really hope these evenings uh, as we come together will help us with some uh, kingdom principles that will connect us into the life that Jesus promises us.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um, next Sunday, we're going to worship and pray together. Um, the Sunday after, um, the last one in July, we're going to do another united service with together with St. John's and some other Crawley churches again. We, we did one at the end of June, I think. Um, and then we'll continue through August. Uh, looking specifically at uh, four of the principles of a slowed down life. Um, solitude and silence, Sabbath, simplicity. What's number four? It's gone right out of my head. We'll come back to it anyway. There are four. <laughs> um, that's exciting. I know some of you have been asking, some of you are, are, are readers, some of you are listeners, um, and some, just some books that we'd recommend. Actually, probably all of these you can get on audiobook. Um, we, we talk a lot about Pete Scazzaro. I think has, um, we'll probably quote from him again tonight. Um, he's lots of his books on a theme, him and, and Jerry emotionally healthy spirituality, but there's a whole kind of range of them emotionally healthy, this and that you can pick them up either brand new on Amazon or, um, or day by day study guides or buy them secondhand or on Kindle or wherever you get your books. Um, and then another book, uh, mine looks as though it's been dropped in the bath. Um, But it it hasn't. Um, John Mark Comer writes superbly, an American pastor, and his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. What an outstanding and helpful book um and uh oh, he's he's such a helpful writer uh, I, i'm not going to talk about that because we want to do some teaching and then <laughs> Again, um if, if there's an if you can find an old book it's probably out of print now but um a, a book by a guy called dallas willard called the renovation of the heart i think you'll find that such a helpful book it's, it's quite he, he's he's a he's a real real scholarly uh theological thinker uh, so i have to read each page three or four times there is a, a book uh, by a guy called john ortberg Who's a wonderful writer called uh, The Life The Life You've Always Wanted. Um, he says he says this is uh, this is John Altberg for dummies. Uh, that, that's oh, that's no. his that's his own words, not mine. Um, I, I think he underplays himself. It's a it's a really, really helpful book, but it is a more accessible uh, version than, than Altberg. Um shall I just pray and then yes, do you. Yeah. Heavenly Father, books, all kinds of things to help us. More than anything else, we, we want your life. We need your life. That psalm Danny read at the start, the songs we've sung that express our hunger and our thirst for you in our worship. Lord, we're not looking for techniques to, to stay on top of life. God, we're not gurus. We're not coming for, for that kind of self-help. We're coming to the living one, the one who has died and is now alive, yes. the one who invites us into, into, into his life yeah. and into his life-giving yeah. presence. Holy Spirit, wherever we're watching this now, whether it's tonight live or later in the week, we just invite you to come and fill us afresh, open our hearts and minds to receive from you and drink deep. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So let me walk you through a checklist. Now, this checklist is called, You Know You Need a Sabbath When... Okay, you know you need a Sabbath when. Now there are ten points that I that I'm going to talk through uh, or read through for you. And actually, it's really interesting because our our first uh, reading of this, we had a read and then went, had a little chuckle as well. Oh yeah, oh and that, oh and that as well. You know, you can imagine this list of of realizing there are lots of things that ring true, and it's an interesting one because it's. It's okay to laugh, of course it is. Goodness, we laugh a lot. Um, Of course it's okay to laugh, but I just wonder whether one or two things might ring a little bell in in your spirit that you think, okay, yeah, maybe I do need to, to work one or two things out. So anyway, let's have a look. Number one, you know you need a Sabbath when the only time you're alone is in the bathroom. How about number two, it takes you over 30 minutes to fall asleep because your mind is racing about the things you forgot to do. I know I sometimes, yeah, oh, anyway. Number three, you think rest is standing still in traffic. (laughs) Number four, you go to check your email for a moment and are still there an hour later.
1: (laughs) Some, there are a few nods nodging, there, you can't
0: there? you can't necessarily see the the screens but there are you know a <laughs> few nods out there at uh, number five you cannot remember anything you ate the last three days yeah i can see more chuckling going on laughing's okay <laughs> there are obviously bells ringing it's
1: nervous
0: laughter it is nervous laughter isn't it number six now this one is oh goodness number six you drove for an hour and had so much on your mind that when you arrived, you're not sure how you got there. Oh, I've done that, and on all sorts of levels, I think, oh my goodness that's not good because actually, I would suggest it's quite dangerous, but anyway yeah i I've done that Number seven, you don't know what day it is now that that there is there should be a little bracket in there lockdown that's jolly hard anyway because we we have we don't have our normal markers for the weeks but uh, you need a Sabbath when you don't know what day it is. Number eight, you find yourself jealous and angry when someone else is enjoying life. Number nine, when you can't remember the last time you sat down to eat breakfast. <laughs> and finally, number 10, when you tweet during mu- movies, text during dinner, read email during meetings or learn about your spouse's day from Facebook. Oh. Oh. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures for us here. The first one I'm going to read is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 through to 31. Have you heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And then I'm just going to skip into John. In the New Testament John chapter 15 and verse 5 this is Jesus speaking okay yes I am the vine and you are the branches those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy, glory to my father.
1: <laughs> great, great joy as well, I think. Joy as well. Just uh, for a few minutes, let's unpack some principles around those scriptures. If, if like me, you heard that list And know that, wow, my life feels at times as though I'm living as though there were no limits, no God-given boundaries. Then let's just take a moment to stay in those scriptures. Pete Scazzaro uh, puts it this way. He says, the emotionally unhealthy person is someone who operates in a continuous state of emotional and spiritual deficit. It's like you're in overdraft mode all the time in your emotional and spiritual life. And he says, you, you lack an emotional maturity and lack a being with God which is sufficient to sustain your doing for God it's, it's like a maths equation I guess in other words um, your your being with God has to be greater than your doing for God um, we'll just unpack that for a, a few moments but first of all even just hearing those two scriptures Jesus invites us into the vine or Jesus says hey if, if you're if you're weary <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you life as you come to me that means that you soar on eagle's wings, that you run and don't grow faint and walk and don't grow weary. What, what care there is for his disciples, for us in the grace of God. What other God cares for his followers in that way? The heavy weight of religion, the burden of religion on religious men and women is too great for us to bear. If you, if, if you follow is, Islam or, the, or a heavy religious form of Catholicism or Hinduism, where it's your responsibility to please the gods out of your efforts. But this is a God that turns the tables upside down. This is a God who says, I'm going to pour into you my riches. I'm going to, I'm going to cause you to flourish and have life in me. What other God gives himself in this way out of his grace? If I could hear you all now, I'd ask for a hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Um, So last Sunday night, um, I confessed to an addiction. If you know me well enough, it wouldn't have been a surprise for you. 25 years In serving the Lord of addiction to adrenaline and busyness, Um, but we recognise that we live, of course, with limits all around us. I'm I'm living without limits. These scriptures, Kaz has just read, show me. I'm living without limits when I'm trying to produce life and fruit through my own hard work, through my busyness, through my efforts. Um, I'm living without limits when I I try and produce kingdom life like it's some sort of machine um, out of myself. Um, I, I feel sometimes it's like spinning plates, isn't it? Just trying to keep, uh, particularly as a leader, trying to keep ministry and life going. I feel a bit like when you read the stories in Exodus uh, of Moses and Aaron, and they start performing these signs for Pharaoh so that he'll let God's people go. Uh, and uh, Moses throws down his stick and it turns into a snake. Uh, and, and Pharaoh turns to his magicians and says, can you do that? And they go, oh, uh, yeah. And they find a way of doing it. And Moses turns the river into blood. And and Pharaoh says to the magicians, can you do that? And they go, "Uh, yeah, and they kind of work hard until they manage that one too. But as the plagues and the miracles go on, the the magicians run out of ideas and they run out of their own strength. They have nowhere to go. But of course, Moses keeps going to the Lord. I I feel like that sometimes when I'm running uh, in my own strength. I'm living without limits. I'm living in this deficit that Pete Scazzaro talks about in that quote I made, when I, when I ignore this profound truth that, Jesus, that apart from Jesus I can do nothing. It's really interesting in that John 15 passage that Kaz read, I, I've read that so many times I've probably stuck it up on the wall as a memory Bible verse, apart from me you can do nothing. I, I realise actually I can do plenty apart from Jesus Christ. I can fill my diary, I can look busy, I can appear to be successful. I remember once when, uh, not long after we first moved down to uh, help lead the church in East Grinstead, and I did an exercise where I spent an afternoon writing down all the things that I was doing for God in my job as a pastor. And and I I allocated a a small amount of time that I thought it was realistic that it took for me to perform each task um, and, and, and gave that into the, filled my week up in my diary. I then added it all up and it turned out not allowing for days off and holidays, that I needed a year with over 500 days in it. Does that tell you perhaps that I was living without limits? I've discovered that those years that have 500 days, they don't come along very often. We get the odd leap year, but I've not yet found a year with 500 days in it. Jesus certainly isn't saying that apart from him, I can't do anything. It's clear I can do lots of things apart from Jesus. But he is saying that apart from him, outside of him, I can't do anything that will bear true and lasting fruit. And that's the evidence of true discipleship. I'm living as though there are no limits if I continue on in that way. The, the measure here is of true kingdom fruit, and it comes from abiding or resting or being connected into the deep love of Jesus Christ. It is not produced in any way by my frantic efforts. Um, I, I've I've prayed many times saying, God, you promised I'd run and not grow, re- grow weary. You promised I'd walk and not grow faint. But I've kind of used it like, a, like a, a, a mantra to excuse me when I'm operating way beyond my capacity. This is not some kind of pill I can take so that I can keep going like a Duracell battery. When Jesus says walk and don't grow weary, run and don't grow faint, he's inviting us to come to him for a better life. I'm, I'm living without limits when... I don't come to God in this way daily for his strength and his power. Is it just me or is anyone else uh, uh, recognizing this in their lives? Okay, cool. Well, it's not cool, but, you know, thank you for being honest. Isaiah says, even youths, even young men grow weak. So what's he saying there? Those in their peak of human strength and capacity. Those guys that can get up in the morning and go like a motor all day and, and, and then party all night. And you think, when do they... When do they sleep? Even young men like that, um, they grow tired and weary. They can't do it alone. I, I'm certainly past that point in my life. I need to be in bed by half past nine. Uh, I need to have an afternoon nap. Okay? I'm living without limits when I miss the invitation to trust in the Lord, to renew my strength in him. I, it, I'm, I'm missing him calling me, beckoning me as the one who will never grow tired or weary. Uh, the, the, it says in that passage, he's, he's the one that will never run out of understanding and wisdom. Why would I turn um, from his limitless strength and his unlimited understanding in order to try and do tomorrow out of my own feeble strength and my own patchy understanding? To do so would be to live as though there are no limits. And then there are, there are limits around the various stages of life. It's just good to know that. Again, when I was a young man, you just think, let's do life. And then you realize there are different stages and seasons where we have to recognize we, we need to rest a little more, pull back a little more, change our pace. It'll, it'll be different for you if you're with us tonight watching, you know, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have a young family. If you've got small children, maybe you're going through a period of sickness in your life. Perhaps you're going through a really busy, demanding time at work. Maybe you're into retirement. Perhaps you live with ongoing disability. In our church life, there are rhythms and patterns where we go up and down and seasons where we can push in hard and other times where we just need to pull back a little and and rest. And we're coming into one of those seasons now, the ebb and the flow of life together. It's just good for us to recognize what season am I in? And to reflect on that, not to compare myself to someone else, to compare myself to a single guy who's 22 would be crazy for me because he's not living with the kind of things that I'm living with and vice versa. And to know whatever stage you're in, you can't sustain the same pace right through your life. And you can't sustain a a full 100% pace, full stop. You just can't do that. There are things that I'm learning to say yes to, Because I know what shape God's made me. And there are things I'm learning to say no to, even though they're good things. If we're going to live fruitfully for Jesus and live within the limits and boundaries that he gives us, these are the kinds of ways of discipleship we need to learn. Jesus said no to all kinds of things, actually, because he had set his face on his father's will. I'm getting ready for the uh, the Brighton Marathon in um, September. They've moved it uh, because of COVID from April to September. I'm not sure if it will happen, um, but I, they've still got the date live. So I've got to train for a marathon even if I don't get the medal because they have to postpone it again. And uh, now I'm back doing my longer runs. I have to start gently. I have to pace myself. I'm, tra- I'm training for a pace right now in a longer run, maybe a 20-mile run or a 35-kilometer run it's going to take me, that's going to be three hours out on the trails, out behind Tillgate Forest. I've got to run that at a certain pace. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. If I try and run my, my five kilometer park run personal best pace on a long run, uh, CAS will be getting a call from the, the paramedics. If it's been a long, difficult week, or if I've been a bit sick, I, I may run slower, or I may not even run at all that day, because my, my goal Is not to break a record today in training but it's to run the marathon well and to remain in good health not just a peak now and I'm just reflecting on that thinking, how is it possible for me to have such a clear focus for a running plan I've got a chart on the wall in the kitchen it's crazy but I can miss the implications of discipleship for my own pace of life let me just tell you a couple of stories then uh, we'll get Soph back to help us worship before we pray together when we, were first, when we planted our first church, uh, we were 25 years old. Noah was about three months old and uh, Cass got pregnant again with, with Daisy. Um, I was working down in Manchester for an insurance company and we didn't get the pace right. We just ran hard at everything, but we had loads of youthful energy. It was okay. We got away with it. Um, five years into the, the church plant, um, I was able to, to leave my job behind to work full time. For the church. And again, I ran at everything with a zeal. Mostly now, if I'm honest, looking back, it was because of emotional immaturity. I remember particularly being burdened by the fact that now my friends in the church that had grown with us were now paying my salary. Uh, I I felt like I had to prove that I've got to work harder than them to show I was worth it. Um, I remember a kind of internal conversation in my head um, one day where I heard one of our friends, a lady, the church was saying how hard her husband was working, what long hours he was doing at the moment, and I I felt guilty that I was taking money from them. That was the kind of warped thinking in my mind. I resolved I would need to match his hours or go beyond his hours. Nobody put that burden on me. They would have been horrified if they'd realized that was going on internally in my head. It was an insecurity, a deficit in my character and my maturity, but it put an unsustainable burden on me. And an unsustainable burden on my family. Um, Let me give you an example of what that looked like. Um, When Kaz gave birth to to Daisy, um, she had to stay in hospital for an extra week. There were complications um, and she came out of hospital, I've written a note here, Monday the 2nd of November 1998, little Daisy. It's like she had a wig, uh, big thick black hair and uh, the following Sunday, the 8th of November, so six days after Kaz came out of hospital, we arrived uh, at our Sunday morning meetings at 10 o'clock, weren't they? So we probably arrived 8.30, 8.45 uh, at this scruffy community centre. I had the big bunch of keys. Uh, we had to sweep the floor, set up the chairs, get ready for the church to arrive, probably put the drinks and the cups out, set up the kids in the creche rooms. It was me. It was three-year-old Noah. Um, it was Kaz, six days out of hospital, and brand-new baby Daisy. I- I'm, a- I'm ashamed now when I look back and think, of that time. Uh, There was something in me that needed to show we're successful church planters in every season of life. We're overcomers. We don't need to slow down even for anything. That was a huge deficit in my life. That was not understanding that there are limits and times and seasons. What I actually did was harm my marriage. What I actually did was set a a terrible example to the church family that was, was full of young couples that were having babies at the time it won't surprise you to hear that for all the successes and fruit that we saw in our first 10 years of church planting and by the grace of god we did see some it won't surprise you to hear that when god opened a door of opportunity for us to come down south we realized we were pretty close to burnout it was because we hadn't learned to live with limits we're so grateful to god now he brought us into a safe place where we could begin to learn some new and living ways to do life and to do Leadership. Let me just make one more point and then uh, we'll go to Sophie before we come back for some prayers. The the other side of the coin we're talking about tonight, emotional and spiritual deficit. The other side of the coin is when I mistake my doing for God as being greater than my need to be with God. Uh, It's particularly true for leaders, but it's true for all of us. I, I think every leader is an activist at heart. We want to get on with the job. We want to win the world for Jesus. We respond to the needs of of others and the great call of the gospel. But we have to remember, all of us, we're invited to bear fruit out of abiding. We're invited to walk without getting faint, to run without growing weary. Our doing for God is really important. I'm not saying we don't have to do anything. God cares about our doing. He's got stuff for us to do, really important stuff. Um, The scriptures tell us he's got good works, assignments which he's prepared in advance for us to do. James tells us that our faith without any discernible works for God is dead faith. But my heart is deadened when I run each day into the tasks of life and my serving in the church without coming first daily, even moment by moment into an abiding, life-giving walk and rhythm with Jesus Christ.